Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. going to the cross, shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we can have a new life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, read it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. All of us play a part in this. I want to personally welcome each and all of us to the way this morning. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this beautiful morning, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and celebrate, Lord, as we go before you for the Lord's Supper this morning, Lord. Thank you for all the provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Let us never take for granted all the things you do for us, Lord. We're so eternally grateful, Lord. Thank you for the church you've given us, Lord. Help us to be more and more like you by denying ourselves and doing your will instead of our will, Lord. Thank you for everything you do, Lord. We pray for the people that are sick and suffering or that went home to be with you, Lord, that you comfort their hearts and their spirits, Lord, and reassure them that you'll never leave us or forsake us for any reason at all, Lord. Thank you for your ultimate forgiveness of all of our sins, Lord. And as always, let everything we do this morning be led by your spirit, Lord and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up to sing. And we are going to get started.
like Jesus. Amen? What a beautiful song, what a beautiful voice, what a beautiful day. Amen? Alright, this morning we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. We do have a special guest this morning and it's going to be doing it for us. Please welcome to the podium our brother David DeLuca. Looks like you guys got me up a little bit earlier, a little more this morning. <laughs> so today we are celebrating the Lord's Supper. And as we all know, Jesus, of course, is the king of everything. You know, something I like to do in my free time is I like to read about history. More specifically, the great kings of history. The ones who defined entire nations, time periods, eras, all by the many achievements that they've done. However... When we look over this king that we celebrate today, his achievements and his accomplishments dwarf, not, not, not dwarf, I would say, overshadow their accomplishments. For as we all know, the kings through our history, their nations come, fall, their achievements forgotten in time. But Jesus is the one king throughout history whose achievements and whose sacrifice are still felt to this very day. Now what exactly was his sacrifice? What exactly did he do? Well, because Jesus was God and because God is love, he saw that the world was devoured, captured by its own sin, a damsel in distress, the dragon of Satan constantly devouring its people, holding it hostage. And as the hero, and as the king who wanted to save the entire world, he temporarily gave up everything to become a slave, to walk among us, to show us the path to eternal life, to be that salvation. And as any great hero, he died to give us a new life. Now we look at the many other kings in history. Did they sacrifice their lives to their people? Did they give up all that they could do for their people? Knowing how much pain and suffering that you would have to go through? Certainly not, but Jesus did. He was the one king throughout history, like I said, who gave up everything for us. Who gave up all the heavenly riches because of the fact that we were so caught up in our sin. So caught up in our selfish ways that he decided to save us all. And that is the king we are celebrating today. The king who saw all of us, who allows for us to sit in this very room today to celebrate, to congregate together. The very king who wiped away all of our mistakes, all of our grief, all of our pain in one single moment. Now that's a sacrifice and that's the achievement that is eternal, that will never be forgotten. And he made sure, because he knows the human heart that it will never be forgotten. God throughout history, especially in the Old Testament, allowed for the patriarchs and for many of his followers to set up altars and covenants to help make sure that we remembered him. Jesus, being God, set up a new covenant with us. The bread and the wine, his flesh and his blood, to always be remembered, to always be honored, to help us to remember his eternal sacrifice so that we will never forget what exactly he did for us. And because of that, because of what he did for us, like I said, we can sit together in this room as brothers and sisters, forgetting the past, moving on to the future, 
and celebrating a king whose kingdom, as he promised, will come here once again on earth with peace and joy and prosperity for all men. And I don't know about you, if there's ever a king in history who I will have to serve with all my heart and mind, it'd be a king who instead of shouting down orders, came down and would wash our feet for us. A king who would give it all for us. Now that's leadership. True kingship and true leadership is understanding how to be very low, but then coming to the very top. And that's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. And so today we are celebrating that king to remember all that he has done for us and all that he has continued to do for us. Because he is not a man that he should lie. He is not a man that he should betray us. He promised us somewhat peace on earth through all the sorrows and whatnot, but he promised us eternal peace when he comes back. And so today, today is a very special day for us all to celebrate. And to conclude our Lord's Supper celebration, I would like to reintroduce Pastor John Searcy to conclude and to celebrate our King, our Lord and our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, David. You did a great job, didn't you? That was good. One body, many pots, many pots. All of us are gifted to serve the Lord. Amen. Awesome. It is a awesome day to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we are gonna pass out the elements in one minute, and we are gonna go before the Lord in prayer right now. Dear God, today we gather as brothers and sisters in Christ, to remember the extraordinary sacrifice you made in sending Jesus, your beloved Son, to be with us. We thank you for his legacy in words, actions, and obedience to suffering on the cross. Lord, we come to you now to ask for forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or deeds that have not honored your name. We are also truly sorry for the times we have chosen to live selfishly rather than heed your calling. We invite you to inhabit our hearts now as we take communion, as we share this meal. Come bind us together as one family filled with your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is at work in all of our lives. Lord, as we take this bread, we remember that you are the bread of life. You feed our souls, you nourish our hearts, and you give us sustenance to run the race before us. As we break the bread, we feel the softness of your love for us. We smell the fragrance of the grace you release afresh each day. We thank you with all our hearts for the great price you paid when you were crucified on the cross for us. Yet, as the yeast has caused this bread to rise, you rose again triumphant over death as Lord of Lords and King of Kings forever in our beloved Savior. Thank you, Lord. We remember that you are the giver of life. You are forgiveness. You bring deep peace to our souls, and your love flows within us. As we pour out this cup, we see your sacrifice poured out for us. We notice the depth of your goodness and the pain you suffered for us. We dwell upon the intricacy of human life and the price you paid to set humanity free. Yet, just as the tombstone rolled away 
to unleash the risen Lord. Your light shines in our hearts now, extinguishing all the darkness to release heaven's blessing upon us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We take communion to remember the night in which Jesus was betrayed. He broke the bread and gave thanks. We remember communion and the events that led to Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection. At this time, I am going to call the ushers up front to pass out the elements. You want to follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of the Lord's broken body, let us eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In remembrance of the Lord's shed blood for our sins, let us drink the cup. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so much that you would spare nothing, not even your Son, to save us from our sins. Help us to always remember that love and reflect on his sacrifice on our behalf. Give us the strength to live our lives by faith in him this week. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this heavenly banquet that you have so freely given us this morning. Thank you that we carry in our hearts the riches of this eternal goodness. May we pour it out wherever we go, lighting up the darkness with truth, speaking out hope where there is despair, and weaving your unconditional love into all we do. Send us now in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. We may live to be all that you have destined us to be. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, thanks and praise to you. Again, you fed us at your holy table with your own body and blood. By your word and supper, may we be led from this world of sorrow into life eternal. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen.
He's always with us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. All right, we're going to continue our message this morning on being patient. Yep. First, we're going to go to a scripture of Galatians chapter 5. Would you turn with me there, please? We are using the black Bibles in the pews as the children get dismissed to their classrooms. Galatians chapter 5. As always, as the Holy Spirit is taken over as we go into the scriptures, please be reminded of that. And prepare your hearts to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay. She's got us at verse 22. Back up. Back up to verse 16. <laughs> Come on. You know, I could bring us back to verse 1, so be thankful of that. I'll try to go as slow as I can as we go on the scriptures, but I want us all to get familiar with your Bible. Because this is the key to our lives. Amen? Amen? That's why we read the scriptures. We have to go to our Bible. Okay, verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, Apostle Paul speaking to Galatians. Now the Apostle Paul is speaking to us at Greystone. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And we all know that, right? There's always a fight going on. We want to do right. The devil's always on us to do wrong. Big amen there, right? But when you are directed by the Spirit, which is the Word of God, 18, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. What he's trying to say here is we're not following a bunch of do's and don'ts. We're following what the Word tells us by the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, now the Bible is going to tell us when we're in our sinful nature what the results of that is. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, here's the Bible but for us. The Holy Spirit, now listen now, when I say the Holy Spirit, I am saying the word of God. I'm saying that the word of God produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff, ain't it? That's what the Word of God produces. That's why we always go to the Word of God as our source so we can grow and live spiritually. We can't do it any other way. We can't produce that any other way. And there's no war against these things. Now look what it says in verse 24. To those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature 
to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, or by the Word, let us follow the Spirit or the Word's leading in every part of our lives. And look at verse 26 tells us, let us not become conceited or prideful or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Big amen there, right? This is what the Holy Spirit produces and that's why this ministry is key towards the Word of God, amen? Because that's what we all need. We need the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, and the self-control. Self-control has nothing to do with willpower. Willpower, we, we, we don't do something that we want to do. Self-control is God giving us a desire not to want to do it anymore. Amen? There's a big difference there. When you don't want something, you can put it in front of you a million times, you're not going to do it. But when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to do something with willpower, you still want it. You're fighting yourself not to do it, but you still want it. God changes our desires. And he's the only one that can do that, amen? That's why willpower or self-help doesn't work. A big amen there, right? That's why we live by the Spirit's power. Now I got one for us. How's that? <laughs> I love your smiles. I love my church. I love everybody here. Amen. <laughs> First Peter chapter 4. My sister Cindy was asking for some scripture, so I looked, went and looked it up. I said, well, you know what? I think everybody needs to read this one. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. <laughs> I love to hear the pages turning. I'm going to be very patient this morning with the scriptures, okay? So everybody can get to that. I am not going to make it easy for you, but I want you to get to your scriptures. This world, this, this nation we live in is based on ease and comfort and convenience. Instant. Well, there's no such thing as instant spiritual growth. Can I get any man for this? This is something we have to work at. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, but he doesn't do for us what we can. Like open our Bible and read it. Amen. The word of life. Now look what it says in verse 7. Now I'm not a prophet and I don't really know when the end of the world is coming, but it certainly seems like some things are getting set up for that way. In verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon. Now when the Bible says soon, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years like a day. So don't really know. But you can tell as the seasons come, as things get crazier and crazier, and the world gets more in turmoil and turmoil and takes God out of the situation. And every time anybody takes God out of the situation, problems come. And this nation is going to have big problems. It's coming very, very soon. Because this, this nation is useless without God. You want to take the guy that's put this all together and sustains us out? What do you think is going to happen? Like every other nation happens. They get conquered. God sends other nations. Verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, let me just tell you, earnest and disciplined. It takes a lot of discipline to be earnest and disciplined in our prayers. Can I get an amen for this? Am I the only one that struggles with this situation? We always say that we're going to pray and we never end up doing it. This says to be disciplined. We have to discipline ourselves. Spiritual disciplines are a must. 
to spiritual growth. It's not legalism, it's what? It's something we need to do so we can transform. Now it says, most important of all, listen what the Bible says what's really most important. Continue to show deep love for each other. Why? For love covers a multitude of sins. Big amen there, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. What is deep love for each other? We come to church. We have burdens. We have things weighed upon us all the time. We come to church in the spirit. We simply love one another and accept each other where we're at. Can I get an amen for this? We don't look down on each other. We don't persecute each other. We don't talk about each other. We're here to lift each other up and build each other up in this church. Amen? amen. We're not here to tear down. There's plenty of room to grow here and there's plenty of things to do. Everybody, we have to be patient and that's where we're going. Let's find out some ways that we can be patient. None of us are impatient in here, are we? <laughs> okay. How many of us have been praying, waiting on the Lord to come through for certain things in their life, and it seems like nothing is happening? Well, either it's not God's will, or maybe it's just not ready to happen yet. That doesn't mean it won't. His ways are higher than our ways, and he knows the beginning to the end. He knows what's going on in this country. He knows what's going around the world. He puts kings in, and he takes kings out. He's the one who does it. You have to trust him. That's the big issue, trusting God and waiting on him, and not taking matters into our own hands. With few exceptions, I believe that one of the most difficult things that we have to do in this life is to wait. We all understand what it means to wait because we all do it, have to done it. We have heard or seen confrontations and reactions of those who have not responded well to having to wait. Right? You see it on the road, right? Instead of being patient, people got road rage. Ah, they're screaming at everything. Anywhere you go, you're waiting in line. Hurry up, I get somewhere different. We ourselves may be able to recall times or events in our own life we have not responded well to waiting. Can anybody relate to that? Thank you. You don't even have to raise your hands, all of us. We're all guilty of this. As we all know, the Bible I just read as the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Patience, we're not born with patience. That is something that the fruit of the Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit gives us patience. And if you're not spiritually grown, we're very, very impatient at our core. We might be patient in certain areas, but there's other areas where we're not. All of us fall into the same category. Okay, while the responses to waiting are varied, what is the proper Christian response? Is it flying into a rage? Or throwing a tantrum? Or pacing back and forth? Or maybe even twiddling our fingers? Of course not. For many, waiting is something that is tolerated, however, God has a greater purpose in our waiting. We will see that when we do it God's way, there is great value in waiting on the Lord. God is truly desiring to work out patience in our lives. But what is our part in all of this? So now let's talk about some ways about being patient. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to go back into this and give you a little refresher. All right, the first one we talked about was acknowledging God's sovereign control of all things. 
when you understand that God sees everything and is in control of everything, we don't have to hurry things along. We can patiently wait on the Lord. In order to get good at waiting, we first need to acknowledge that God is sovereign and nothing we are presently experiencing is outside of his eternal decree and direct oversight. Here is what the wise king says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Let's go back there. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Is everybody with me so far? Amen. Good. I'll give you all a minute to get there. Have a sip of coffee and some water. A good way to change direction and where you're going in life is to read the book of Ecclesiastes and see what Solomon did with his life. He did everything and he tried everything that there is out there to make him happy. And he all found out in the end it was vanity. And if you read Ecclesiastes in the end of it, it says, to fear God and obey him is the best thing you can do in your life. Amen. So he played it all for us. He had everything. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, look at verse 13. You know. Something went out, right? Yeah, those fuses are in the basement. Yeah, we got some guy around. See, one body? Somebody's going to go fix it. See? <laughs> I know, so the fan went over, so what's going on here? We're going ready. You see the devil, he don't want the message to go out. He does everything. He does everything to stop this. This is an important message because we're very impatient. We're very impatient, and we know that we're, as Christians, we're supposed to show something different when we're out there. Patience. Everybody there? All right, that's my law. It's good for you. All right, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13. Look what it says. Accept the way God does things. For who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when the hard times strike, realize that both come from God. And remember that nothing is certain in this life. Now, even our present predicaments, okay, is of the Lord. Now, listen up. And we cannot straighten what God has made crooked. As much as we may want to fix this problem, so what problem you're having, we are first to wait upon the Lord by acknowledging his sovereign purpose in it. So whatever you're going through in your life right now, God has a reason why he's doing it and there's a purpose in it. Just like there's a purpose why the light just, the, the fan just blew. Don't ask me what it is, but he knows. Right, so we got some people that are smart that will turn it back on. Amen, see? There's always a reason for everything that happens. Listen, if it were up to us, we would make things even a bigger mess of things. However, God will fix things in a much better way than we ever could. Sometimes the most difficult thing for us to do is nothing at all. Nothing except wait upon the Lord. Now, can everybody get in there? Can I get an amen for this? Just imagine waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. America is the most impatient nation that there is. 
We're impatient about everything. Just like now, we can't wait for the light to come back on and the fans to go back on, right? But impatience, it's going to happen. We have to understand one thing. God is in control of all of it. He's in control of your life and he's in control of life. When you make a decision to turn your will and your life over to God, he's the one who takes over. He knows. And you can try to do things your way, but let me tell you something. God is still in control. And even when you make a mess, he says he works all things out for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? So he works it all out anyway. Thank God for that because we make a mess a lot of times. And we like to do this. It's you, it's you, it's them, it's them, it's her, it's them, it's that place causing all my pain. God says, no, it's me. I'm doing it for a reason. There's something wrong inside of your heart that I'm trying to get to. If you're not seeing it, you're blaming other people for it, but it's you that I'm trying to get to. Everybody points fingers at everything else. Remember in the garden, it was the devil that made me eat the fruit. Then Adam said, no, it was the woman you gave me that made me do it. And we've been passing the buck ever since on our problems. It was him, it was them, it was the church, it was the people. Not me. Not me. That's not wrong with me. Well, if there was nothing wrong with you, why would you need Jesus? Answer that question. If there was nothing wrong with any of us, why would we need to be saved? Why would we need a savior if there was nothing wrong with us? Why do we need salvation? We're all good. Not. Nah. No, we need a Savior. We're sinners, and we need a Savior, all of us. As, as difficult as that might be to admit sometimes, yes, we are sinners, and we need a Savior. Amen? And the problems we have need to go back into the mirror and look at ourselves and say, is it the choices and decisions I made in my life that brought me to where I am today? Big amen there on ouch. Take it either way. That's the way it is. Because this is one church that is not going to bend the truth to anybody. Amen? Because I love you, I'm going to speak the truth. How about an amen for that one? All right, the second one. Coming to terms with our dependence on God. This is very important. Connected to the doctrine of God's sovereignty is the co-reality of our complete dependence upon him for all things. It's natural for us all to want to be individualists. We want the freedom and independence to do whatever we want to do, when, where, and how we want to do it. But the truth is, we are all dependent on God for even the fans coming back on. See? How do I know that? Well, God worked through them to get the, the lights back on. You see, God does it all. You understand, God puts the thoughts into our minds to do the things we have to do. He gives us the ability to make money. He gives us the ability to have a family. He gives us the ability to do the things that we do. It all comes from Him. Guess what? We don't give Him the glory. We want to take the glory for Him. Look how smart I am. Look at all I do. Look at all my achievements. God is the one who gave us the ability to do it all. Can I get an amen for this? And when you recognize that, you can be humble and, and you can just be nice to be yourself and not try to be somebody that wants a plaque on the wall saying, look what I've done down here. The Bible says, if you want any reward down here, that's the only reward you ever get. You'll never get one in heaven. God sees everything. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Big amen there, right? Go to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. The 
must have went out because it's really hot. That's what it is. The fans and the heat. I mean, when it gets hot like this, things overheat. You don't want me to overheat, trust me. <laughs> fire coming out of me. <laughs> you don't want to fire in Prince Holmes' mess this morning. It's too hot for that. Thanks, guys, see? Okay. That's what I said, no body, many parts, right? Job chapter 1. Go with me. Job chapter 1. Okay. Job chapter 1, verse 21. Job 1, verse 21. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. How many times? I don't want you to answer this. Do we blame God for situations in our life and why things are happening? Did you ever read the book of Job and seen what happened to him? He lost his family, his job, his health, everything. And he didn't blame God. We blame God for the price of gas. We blame God for everything. Why is my life like this? Why did you do this? Why is this? And why is that? Like saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. You look outside who holds this whole universe together. You really don't think he knows what he's doing? No, it's us that don't know what we're doing. Because if it wasn't for God, this would all fall apart. We fall apart. That's why we need God. He knows what he's doing. Please, as your pastor, if you're going to blame God, okay, just be prepared for the result from blaming God, okay? You will suffer for blaming your creator for your problems. So do not, God is not mocked, okay? You will always reap what you plant, okay? So just remember that the next time you want to blame God for something, you ever think of blaming the devil? You hear people out there, well, why would God let that happen? Why would God let this happen? Look, there's two forces in this universe, good and evil. And we all have a free will. We are not robots. God does not control our free will. That is why evil people do what they do. And that's why good comes, because when God is good, it all, all good comes from God. We have to understand these principles. God doesn't, he's not like, we're not like puppets. So well, I'm not going to let that happen. No, he lets things happen because he gives us free will. He doesn't want his children to be robots. Can I get an amen for this? So next time somebody asks you, why did God let that happen? No, God didn't let that happen. You chose to do it. You chose to make the mistake. You chose to do that. You chose to hurt somebody. You chose to commit that sin. Nobody makes us do anything, not even the devil. He tempts us. But who do you think ultimately makes the decision? We do. 
That's why. Wouldn't it be better to wait on the Lord before making any decisions? Because usually the ones we make are not the right ones. And then we go blame God. Amen there, right? And the truth is the truth. All right, let's go to the third thing. Seeking spiritual strength from the Lord. Go with me to Psalms 33, verse 20. Seeking spiritual strength from the Lord. Our helpless becomes especially obvious during times of calamity. Okay? In God alone do we find the strength to tread life's troubled waters. In the Psalms we find a repository of prayers to God. Many of them ask God for help. For example, consider these passages and notice the relationship between God and finding strength in God. Psalm 33, verse 20. Psalm 33, verse 20. Look, at, look what he says here, David. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us. Lord of our hope is in you alone. Big amen there, right? Now we're still in Psalms. Go to Psalms verse 27, chapter 27. King David wrote most of the Psalms. Spiritual maturity is confidence what God says will come to pass. And that's what he was in verse 13 of Psalm 27. What he said here. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord be brave and courageous. Yes. Wait patiently for the Lord. How about a big amen there? Do you have confidence that what the Bible says and what God will do in your life will come to pass? Or are you taking matters in your own hands? That's the question. A Christian that has spiritual maturity and understand God's ways and the Bible are confident that when we ask God for something, that's in his will, it will come to pass. We just have to wait on it. And what we do while we're waiting, it makes all the difference. Reading the word of God, studying the Bible, doing the right thing, fellowshipping with people on the same path, trying to bring others into the kingdom. Things like that while we're waiting on the Lord is what fills that void while we're waiting. Other than that, if we go to the world while we're waiting, we end up making more of a mess. We have to stay rooted and grounded in the word of God and around the things of God, which he gives us the church, the fellowship, the Bible, and people on the same path. Can I get an amen for this? This is what we have to do while we're waiting. All right, Psalm 31, go there. We're still in Psalms, so it won't take him long to get to the scriptures now. I gave you a break. 
couple more before we close. Here's a promise. How many want some promises from God? Matter of fact, we have promise books. If everybody, anybody wants one, but all the promises of the Bible in the book were all situations that'll help you when you need them. So if you want one, could see Laurie or one of us, and we'll be happy to give you one of them books. They're very, very helpful. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He's not like people. People make promises all the time, and then they back out on them. This is the human nature. Now look what it says in verse 23 of Psalms 31. Love the Lord, all you godly ones. Do we love the Lord, church? Do we love the Lord? Do we? It says, all you godly ones. For the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. Are you loyal to God? Or are you loyal to the world? Two questions. God wants your loyalty. He doesn't want you loyal to what's on the news. He doesn't want you loyal to what's going on in the world. He wants you loyal to what is in the word. Can I get an amen for this? What's in, what you're hearing all over, that, all over the headlines is all propaganda and nonsense. It's not even truth. The truth is in the Bible. You go and listen to all that stuff, you, you lose your mind. Because that's all geared to what? Make you stressed out and crazy. And the word of God will calm you and say, God is in control. He'll take care of it. Shut the TV off and get in your word of God. And you want peace? There's no peace on that TV. None. CNN, all them headlines, there's no peace there. All they tell you is lies. And they make you believe lies. There's only one truth, and it's in God's word. Can I get an amen for this? Don't trust the nonsense that you hear. Look what it says. For he, he protects those who are loyal to him, but he harshly punishes the arrogant. If you're an arrogant Christian, he will take care of that. Believe me, he will take care of it. Look, be strong and courageous. All you who put your hope in the Lord, don't trust people, don't trust politicians, don't trust anything but who? Jesus. He's the one we put our trust in. Amen? Amen. All right, one more. Psalms 23. Finally, let's think about the most often quoted verse in all of the Bible. The last one before we close. The devil is so good at letting us believe a lie. Because it sounds like the truth. You see, lies are deceptive because they sound like truth. But they're lies. You have to understand these principles. See, when you have discernment, which the Bible will give you as you study the Word of God, you will see what you see all over the place is all lies. You'll see it. But those who are not rooted and grounded in the Word fall apart. They believe everything that's said. They believe everything, anything they hear. All right, look at verse 1 of Psalm 23. Everybody knows this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. 
He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, whatever you're going through, my brothers and sisters, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You see, when you're in the Word of God, no matter what's going on in your life, he's so close beside you because you're in the Word all the time. You know he's with you. You have to be in the Word. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. What's he saying? I could be happy and joyous in front of my enemies no matter what's going on. He's the one who does it. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You realize right now you're in the house of the Lord, right? But that doesn't mean when you leave here that you're not. You see, you are the house of the Lord. He resides within you. When you read the Bible and the, and the, and the word of God goes inside of you, nothing out there will move you. Because you know that the word God is with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And so it's the word of God that has to be circulated in our minds when we leave here. That's why you keep coming to church, we get the message. The message starts to penetrate. Repetition is the key to retention. So you hear it over and over again. Finally, it sinks in. Something clicks. A light comes on. Now, I finally got it. But you have to keep it. It's persistence. Persistence and perseverance as we study God's word and then we apply it to our lives. And we see God come through for us all the time. Can I get an amen for this? We don't suffer from a lack of anything we don't truly need right now. Only because we have Christ as our good shepherd. Even when the supermarket runs out of the household essentials. And the hospital runs out of beds or supplies. We can rest secure in Christ for our most essential need. A right relationship with our creator. Let us seek him. For spiritual strength. Amen? Amen? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share in that with you. I'm going to call the ushers up now to take the collection. That's great. God deserves a hand clap. That's great. God is good. Amen. The ushers are going to come up. We're going to sing a song and we're going to close.
bow heads. Lord Almighty, we thank you for allowing us to congregate before your throne of mercy and grace this morning. Lord, there is none like you. There will never be anyone like you, Lord. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who promised to protect us forever and ever, the one who sacrificed all so that we may walk in your grace and in salvation. Lord, in our walk with you, keep us humble, keep us in your word, Lord. Help us to put you first in our lives. Help us to remain faithful and to trust in you in every single circumstance. Lord, you've given us many promises to meditate on and to trust you on, Lord. If we ever forget the many promises, bring us back into your word. Help us to remember them with all our heart and mind, Lord. Lord, as servants of your kingdom, help us to grow in your maturity and in your heavenly wisdom. Help us, Lord, to recruit others into your kingdom as we go forth and walk out into the world, Lord. Lord, put a protection over our hearts and our minds against the temptations of our flesh and of the devil, Lord. And Lord, help us continue to walk in your spirit. I pray all these things in the name of your mighty Son. Amen. 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 Thank you. You did a pretty great job today, didn't you?